You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Moving through the book of Matthew right now. And uh, I'm going to yell as loud as I can. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk a bit tonight about God's timing. So before we talk about God's timing, let's uh, recap kind of where we've been lately. Because today is kind of like our final moment in the Christmas story. It's so far at the end, you almost wouldn't even recognize it as the Christmas story. Last Sunday, we talked about refugees, understanding it is... Uh, behind the heart of a Christian to reach refugees because Jesus was a refugee. On Christmas Eve, we also talked about how uh, it's in our hearts to fight against the ways of abortion because when you look at uh, um, abortion throughout the Bible, it is in the Bible, uh, you see it always having its roots in uh, very inhuman ways and, and great evil. And uh, that includes the Christmas story where Herod said any child two years or younger, kill them, abort their lives, get rid of them, Uh, whether they're newborns just being born or they're older than that. And today, uh, if you want to learn more about either of those messages, just check out the 1208 podcast. You can find that on iTunes, Google Play, uh, as well as Spotify or our webpage. Uh, But we're going to move on today to the very last kind of chapter of the Christmas story in the book of Matthew which is the continuation of these last two messages. So last Sunday, an angel showed up and said, Joseph, you got to get out of here or you're going to die. You need to flee because Herod is coming for you. So Joseph takes his family. He wakes up from a dream of an angel and he takes his family and they run in the middle of the night. It seems it seems like Joseph left in the dark. The Bible seems to portray them leaving in the dark. kind of taking cover by night and just taking off. Um, And then the angel told them, you know, you you can't come back here until I tell you it's safe. And that brings us into today's passage, because now Jesus has been a refugee in Egypt for some time, along with Mary and Joseph. They can't live in their homeland because it's dangerous there, so they have to live in another country. And it's uh, at this time where the angel finally shows up. We don't know how long it's been, but the angel shows up. To, uh, to Joseph and tells him it's safe to go home now. So let's take a look at Matthew two nineteen and 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Wouldn't you love it? If every time you wanted to make a decision as to what you had to do in your Christian life and your walk with God, if an angel showed up and said, here's the answer, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it would. We've all been there at some point. We're like, okay, uh, I'm trying to make my best decision here. I could see how God could be in several different possibilities, how he might be calling me this direction, might be calling me this direction. And I've got to make a decision that honors God. But God, I really want to know what you have to think about it. And then how many times are you like, but God never showed up and told me you're going to do A, B, and C, right? He never sent an angel in a dream or in the natural to say, here's exactly what you got to do. And so normal life is not usually dictated to us uh, in full by God's exact ideas. And normal life is not usually dictated to us by angels showing up and saying, hey, here's a message from God and what he plans on doing. And sometimes when God dispatches angels to tell us what to do, things get screwed up along the way. Of course, this is recognized in the passage in Daniel where Daniel prays, God, I need an answer to this prayer. And an angel shows up. 21 days late. He's like, where have you been? I've been fasting for 21 days waiting for you. And the angel's like, sorry, got in a little battle on the way and (laughs) took me some time to get here. I I was sent as soon as you prayed. It just took me longer. So we see like, it's not always as simple as I prayed and I got an answer. We see that it's not always as simple as uh, God telling us exactly what to do and we doing it. Sometimes we have to make decisions. Uh, But it would be great if we all had the timing of God like we see with the Christmas story. Where an angel's like, hey, you got to get out of here. All right, timing of God, perfect timing. And then, hey, you got to go back home now. All right, timing of God, perfect timing. A lot of times it's not that simple, even though we would like it to be. And so I want to talk to you about God's timing, how you work with God's timing when he's not speaking, and how you work with God's timing when he is speaking. And so in order to do this, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about co-laboring with God tonight. How many of you have ever prayed the prayer like, uh, God, more of you, less of me, just get rid of me completely so that it's just all you in my life? You ever been there, pray a prayer like that? Where it's just, God, just completely kill me, nothing of me left. It's a, it's a great prayer at heart. Uh, in which you're trying to just be as much like God as possible. It's the right intentions behind a prayer, but it kind of uh, misses the point in in the ways in which God has set up existence. You have to understand, uh, God created you as a unique person that he wanted to be in this world. He made you in his image. And this is what the beginning of the Bible is trying to tell us about. If you're made in his image, then it is your job to image him to the rest of creation. We've been talking about this on the midweek podcast. We talked about this the last few weeks. Uh, But because it's your job to image God, there's this expectation from God that your very unique existence on this planet, part of your job is to make your own decisions Knowing what God is like, you make your own decisions as to how to best image him in every way, shape, and form. So there is this understanding that God didn't want you to be a robot. You are made in his image so that you are a a free will thinker. You live in his presence. He, He shows you what he's like. He tells you what he's like. And sometimes he goes so far as to give you exact timing like he did with Joseph. But most of the time, I would suggest... He's made you as a free will being to make your own choices to image him to the best of your abilities exactly as you are. If you wanted robots, he'd make robots. (laughs) But instead, he made you unique as a person to witness what he looks like and then try to show the rest of the world as your unique self what that looks like. 
He's co-laboring with you. He's not just possessing you and taking you completely over. You have the choice every day, am I going to image God or am I not going to image God? So, uh, very straightforwardly, when, when you feel like God's not speaking, when you feel like God's not telling you what to do, when you're praying, God, I need direction here, what's your timing? If you don't get an answer, know that to some extent he has gifted you as a unique person to look at his image and come to your own decisions. This is not only true with humans, it's true with heavenly beings too. We talked uh, recently on the podcast about how the angels are actually also made in God's image. We don't have time to get into it. Listen to the podcast if you want. The episode called In Our Image. But the angels co-labor with God as well in the heavens. Uh, there's this interesting story in Second Kings about a prophet named Micaiah who had a vision of, of uh, God's throne room. And in it, God said, all right, King Ahab, he's a bad king. He's done a horrible job. I've extended to him, you know, plenty of chances to get it right. And he's just not getting it right. It is now time for King Ahab to go. And here's where you see God co-laboring. You realize God just issued the ultimatum. It's time for King Ahab to go. And therefore, uh, God could have just said, here's how we're going to do it. But instead, he opened it up to the heavenly council. Uh, Guys, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get Ahab to go? And the prophet Micaiah, as he watches this scene and this vision... He says he sees a spirit come before God, usually another word for like an angel. So an angel or a spirit, a heavenly being of some sort, comes before God and says, here's how we do it. Uh, I'll go and do this. And this strategy will be the way in which your ultimatum happens. And God stops and he says, that'll work. Let's do it that way. Is that shocking to you at all? A little jarring? I mean, so often we're thinking like, God just makes every last decision. He did make the decision that it's time for King Ahab to go, but as to how he went, he co-labored with spiritual beings to come to a a way to make the ultimatum happen. It's similar with you. Just as they image God in the heavenlies, so you image God here on earth. And he might issue ultimatums at times in which you play a part in it. Uh, You know, like this church, 1208, you're, you're right here on this community in this area. Here's the people you need to affect. How are you going to do it? Well, here's the vision we feel you calling us into, God. Here's one of the ways we think in which we can do it. And you might be able to see, and we don't know because you can't usually see it this clearly. It'd be nice. But maybe God's saying, yeah, that will work. Dinner church would be a good way to bring in the community and serve them in the ways in which I've called you. So uh, you can see how we might image God, even if he doesn't give us his exact timing If we know what he looks like and we know what he cares about, we can co-labor with him to get those things done. There's another story in Daniel in which angels give a dream to King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end, they're like, hey, uh, this is the ultimatum on your life. And the way in which this ultimatum is going to happen is by the decree of us angels. (laughs) As though the angels are like, God gave us the authority to come to this conclusion as to what's going to happen to you. If you don't repent of your pride, so again, you just see the co-laboring thing going on throughout the Bible, in the heavenlies and on the earthly realms. I was actually just reading a book today I thought was really powerful. It's like talking about how God really put a lot of trust in humanity in the Garden of Eden, saying, all right, you're the image on earth. Let's make it happen. (laughs) That's a lot of trust, especially because we failed so hard. Uh, But still, even now, he sends us Jesus and loves us through it. And helps us get back on track. All right. 
So we talked a little bit about co-laboring. Let's talk about some examples of how people have done this in the past. Okay, so Paul is a great example of co-laboring with God. Paul, uh, once he caught a glimpse of the image of Jesus and started to realize that God cares about reaching the Gentiles, that is, God wanted to reach people outside of the Jews. He wanted to go to all the nations, all the foreigners, and reach them with the news of Jesus. Once Paul realized that that was a... uh, a piece of the image of God, the things that he cares about, Paul became an apostle to the foreigners, an apostle to the Gentiles. His whole life, his mission became grounded in God has called me to reach the outsiders. That's part of of his image, and he's specifically put that on me as a mission of part of my job. And so Paul goes out to reach the outsiders. In fact, throughout the Bible, you see him keep writing about Rome. Got to get to Rome. Got to get to Rome. I'm trying to get to Rome. Rome, hey, I'm on my way. Why is he trying to get to Rome? Well, in their time, Rome was the ends of the earth. Beyond that, it's like sea. They didn't know about North America and all this other stuff. So you see Paul literally trying to get to the ends of the earth to tell every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every foreigner about who Jesus is because he's seen the image of God and the image of God cares about foreigners. And so it's his job to to complete this mission. And so you see him make his own decisions as to how he's going to go out and reach these people. But you know what? You also see him pay close attention to the timing of God. He didn't just make every decision willy-nilly. Sure, he wasn't possessed by God to the point that every action he made was the right action. In fact, there's even one passage in the Bible where Paul's like, here's, uh, here's my instructions to you people, and just note that I'm the one telling you this and not God. <laughs> Which means in your Bible, there's one particular passage that's like, this is the instruction of Paul not the inspired word of God upon me. So you see Paul trying to come to his own conclusions as to how to work with the image of God. But you also see him co-laboring with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's inside of him, and he knows that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and tells us uh, what to do. Uh, This is something that Christians have, that throughout the Old Testament, only a select few, like prophets and kings, were able to partake in. But as Christians, we all get the Holy Spirit inside of us to illuminate our minds and to teach us as to what to do, to give us wisdom. So Paul makes his own decisions based on him being made in the image of God, but then he also co-labors with the Holy Spirit to give him direction. And here's an interesting story in which Paul got some really interesting uh, direction from the Holy Spirit. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that weird to you? Paul is forbidden to go to Asia and tell them about Jesus. What's up with that? And when they had come to Maesia, or Mysia, sorry, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, it's semantics, same thing. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
Now, this is a very interesting passage because though Paul will make his own free will decisions how to best image God, he's also spending time in prayer trying to figure out what it is that God wants him to do. Will God offer timing in this scenario or does he have to make his own best informed decisions? And in this case, while he's doing ministry, we see the Holy Spirit is giving Paul timing. The Holy Spirit says, hey, these places that you want to go to, uh uh-uh. We're not going there. And you don't see Paul get an answer as to where to go, just where not to go, right? He feels forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia and do ministry there. But finally, in a vision of the night, or a dream, as we call it, he sees a Macedonian man saying, hey, come over here. And he wakes up, and he's like, okay, the Holy Spirit's given us direction. We're co-laboring with God. God is saying right now is not the time for Asia or all these places. Right now is the time to go to Macedonia and reach them. Now, if it's going through your mind that God doesn't care about the people of Asia, you're missing the point here. Sometimes we just have to admit, you know, like God knows what's best in a specific scenario and how to do ministry best. And Paul's one person. How is God going to use Paul to the best of his ability in this time, in this space, in this place? And the answer on God's timing is, no, I I know you want to go to Asia, but now's not the time right now. Macedonia is ripe right now. That's that's where I need you to be. And you know that God knows more about what's going on in Macedonia than than everywhere else. It's the same story with uh, Jonah in the Old Testament. You ever think it's weird that Jonah goes up to a bunch of pagans and is like, hey, Yahweh says repent. A God that you don't worship says repent. Will you repent? And everyone's like, yeah, we repent. (laughs) That's weird. Obviously, God knew something going on in Nineveh that Jonah did not. And the timing of Jonah getting to Nineveh, their hearts were were ripe to repent. And so we see in this time, in this place with Paul. No, Paul, I don't need you in this space right now. In my timing, I need you over in Macedonia. It's not that God doesn't care about Asia. Uh, The Bible says that God wills everyone to be saved. But rather, God had a timing. So as he co-labors, he listens to the timing. We see Jesus, of course, co-labor as well. Uh, Jesus was the perfect image of God. That's not something that we can live up to in its fullness. We certainly can live up to it much more than most Christians believe, and that includes miracles and spiritual gifts and things like that. Um, But we do see that Jesus Jesus understood himself. Uh, Jesus is telling everyone, I am God. When you look at me, you have seen who God is. So Jesus is on another level of timing when it comes to him. And John tells us that Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees his father doing for whatever the father does that the son does likewise. So every step Jesus is taking is in sync with what God would have him do. And how is it in sync? Because he listened to the Holy Spirit, because he prayed, because he spent time communing with God, asking for God's timing. Uh, Mark 1's beautiful story about that in which the disciples can't find Jesus because he left in the middle of the dark parts of the night or in the dark parts of the morning to go pray. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that's why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So right here, you know, most of us would think, 
Most of us would think like, it would make sense to go back to the town that Jesus was in, to go minister to the same people, to love on them, to heal more people, to cast demons out of more people, to preach to those same people. We would think that this is a good thing because it is. But because Jesus paid attention to God's timing, he understood that though that was a good thing and a thing that God cares about and a thing that God wants him to do, even, in this time, in God's timing, God needed him to move on to another town. That's actually an important thing to pay attention to just in church in general. Uh, People can get angry, you know, like if they come up with an idea in a church and be like, I've got an idea, let's do this prayer meeting or, or this worship night or this and that. And if, like, a leader's like, no, we're not going to do that, what does it look like? (laughs) It looks like the leader just said, no, we're not going to pray. No, we're not going to do a worship night. No, we're not going to do this. And that may not be the leader's intent at all, but rather, in attempts to try to pay attention to God's timing, they may be saying, these are all good things God cares about, but right now God has us paying attention to these other things that God cares about as well. Anyways, when we look at the story of Mary and Joseph, we see that they had the decisions to make their own free will choices, okay? An angel told them to leave the country. An angel told them to come back to the country. Guess what the angel didn't do? He didn't tell them what to do the, every single step along the way in between, right? Joseph, now is the best opportune time for you to use the bathroom, Right? He made his own decisions. He made his own free will choices during the times that they were refugees. But at the same time, because they were following after God, they also were able to hear God say, here's the best way to image me in this moment. Here's my commands to you. And since Paul understood that the Holy Spirit's inside of us, and since we can listen to our spirit inside of us and God's spirit inside of us, We therefore are special, unique human beings who have the ability to hear not only our own thoughts, but God's thoughts, to commune with God just like we might commune with ourselves. And sometimes we might go to God and say, what is the best choice I can make right now? And he might leave it as a co-laboring moment for you. You know what? You make your own choice. I leave that in your hands because you are a unique individual in which I have made to image me to the best of your ability out of your own mind. But other times, and this is what we don't always do, we need to spend time with God because he might actually say, here is your best decision right now that you need to do in this time, in this space. Always start there. Don't start with the, I'm unique and I can do whatever I want. That's, that's not the point. Start with the, God, what do I do right now as your unique imager? And if you don't get a reply, move on to, What do I think God would have me do as a co-laborer with him? Right now you're sitting in a room that has come to life because of moments like this. Uh, Not everybody knows the story because some of you are new, but seven months ago we fell into a place where we understood like 1208 needs to make some changes Otherwise, we run into roadblocks and we won't be able to continue doing ministry here in this area. And around the same time that we had to face this kind of ultimatum, uh, we had two people not from our church who hadn't talked to each other both come to us and, and say, 
In seven months, God's going to do something here. So we got God's timing, right? (laughs) In seven months, God's going to do something. You know what he didn't say? What we were going to (laughs) do. So so we're like, God's timing, seven months. He forgot to give us the rest of the instructions. So guess what we did? We co-labored with God. We, We met as leaderships and we came together as a church to talk about it, to try to figure out we know in seven months... God's going to do something here. And we know currently, this speaks to our current situation, if we don't do something, we're not going to be able to last as a a church. So what do we start doing so that in the next seven months, we co-labor with God to launch whatever it is he's going to do? And that's what Dinner Church was birthed out of. It was the plan that we started moving with, saying, let's try this out, and let's listen to God and see what the Holy Spirit does. And you could see some of the ways in which it seemed like God was was moving with that. For example, for me, like, I didn't have a set time as to Sunday night, 4.30 to 7, exactly. In fact, we fought about it (laughs) in leadership for a little bit. When are we going to do it? Saturday night, Saturday morning, Friday night, maybe Wednesday night. Not Wednesday night, doesn't make sense. You know, maybe we just do it at the same time. We always did it, but then we just add food on the end. No, that looks like potluck. We always do potluck. Anyways, (laughs) that's just uh, revamping all the... Janae was on the board. She's recalling all these conversations. In the end, though, like for me personally, I kept coming back to that thing where Paul was forbidden to do something. (laughs) I'm like, guys, all I know is I feel cemented like Sunday night is what we have to do only because I feel forbidden to do anything else. (laughs) And so, again, it comes back to this working with God's timing and co-laboring with him when he doesn't give you specific details. That is the kind of Christian life that I offer you to you today. I believe it's the life of Paul. He knows what the image looks like, and so he does his best to image God all the way to the end. But he also knows how to commune with the Holy Spirit and listen for timing. I believe it's, uh, it's the exact image of Jesus, except Jesus didn't have to necessarily you know, make any decision outside of what God would have done because it was always everything he did is exactly what God would have done. Um, For when we see Jesus, we see the Father. So with that, I extend to you the invitation to listen to God first. And if you don't get the answer, to make your own decisions, because God wants to co-labor with you, has made you unique for that reason. If he wanted robots, he'd make robots. But as I've said before, robots are not love. God is love. And since robots can't love, why would he make a bunch of robots? It's profound. Think about it. It's not that profound, but my brother made a shirt out of it, so it's profound enough to be a shirt quote. All right. With that being said, uh, that's the invitation to you today. Uh, Let's pray as the band comes up. God, as we close out the story of Christmas, recognizing that Mary and Joseph did not have an answer to every last decision they had to make, but that they did occasionally have answers as to what they needed to do. So you call us into that same world to make decisions based on who you are and us being in your image, but then also to always listen first and see if you have explicit advice and direction for us. So would you give us those directions? In fact, God... I find that most people today are 
less aware of how your Holy Spirit works. And so if we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us, including myself, could say we don't usually leave time for you to speak first. We just rapidly make decisions. And so would you encourage us first and foremost to do a better job of listening? Would you give us sacred spaces to listen? Would you give us times to open our ears and hear what you have to say? Would you help us commit to that first and foremost? Just as Jesus is praying in the early morning hours, looking for your marching orders, what am I going to do today? And by the time the disciples get to him, he already knows what to do. May the fact that you gave us authority on the earth not be a risky plan anymore. May it be the right plan because we are finally willing to listen. Though we didn't in the garden, though we didn't when we were a kingdom, may we now under the kingdom of heaven, under your authority, listen so that your kingdom may come here on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.